And uh, I don't know where you come from or how you got here, but I want you to know whether you're sitting in the front of the room or the back of the room that we've been thinking about you all week and preparing uh, something that we believe that God would uh, speak through us, do through us, uh, even the worship teams that they've prepared. It's all been for you. And so you showed up here this morning and I want to encourage you. I, I grew up in church and they would say things, make sure you make sure you get what you came for. And I want to encourage you this morning, whatever it is that you're looking for in your life, whatever it is that you're believing God for in your life, we're a big church that believes in moments, that God can do thing, things in a matter of 30, 40 minutes that we can't do, hustle our way into uh, throughout our work week. So I want, to, I want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you this morning. Would you stir your heart with expectation with me today that we wouldn't just attend another church service, but we would get what we came for, that God would be able to speak to us, to our hearts, through our thoughts. And uh, I just have the courage to believe that somehow, some way, maybe we could do something in this space today. Maybe God could speak to us, uh, maybe think through our thoughts that could change everything when we leave this moment. And so I want to lead us in prayer this morning, regardless of where you come from, how you got here, uh, no matter how new you are to this faith journey, we all do the same thing. Whenever we gather, we take a second right before we uh, get into the Bible, the Word of God, and we just open our hearts. And so I want to encourage you to do that. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we thank you for this day. And uh, we're just so grateful for another chance at life today. No matter how dark our journey has been, no matter how confusing it has been, no matter how much shame and guilt maybe some of us carry with us in this room today, God, we stir our hearts with hope and expectation of what you're going to do in our lives. We just have the courage to believe that maybe there's something bigger than us and bigger than the storms that we're facing and bigger, bigger than the problems that we're up against. So we look to you today. God, would you do what only you can do in our lives? God, we just create a space and we ask that you would fill it, every single one of us. God, for those of us who have been a part of this faith journey for some time now, God, would you refresh, renew, rejuvenate our faith to see you again like we saw you the first time. And for those of us today that maybe are a little bit confused about the whole thing, would you bring just a little bit of clarity? God, I pray for those people that they would leave this place feeling loved, lifted up, encouraged, inspired, knowing knowing just how much you care about them and love them. We look to you today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, let's look in the book of uh, Exodus this morning. We'll look in the book of Exodus uh, chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Many of you have, have probably heard the story, if you've been around church for any length of time or if you've... Uh, um, kind of just, you know, heard anybody talk about scripture, heard the story of Moses. And the story of Moses is one of those kind of extravagant, uh, larger than life stories. You hear about the different parts of his journey, whether it be, uh, him, him hearing from God from, from uh, a bush that was on fire, what, whether it be him parting the Red Sea or, uh, you know, taking his staff and throwing it on the ground and turning into a snake. Like you hear all of these incredible stories about Moses, but Moses' journey didn't start out that way. He didn't start out as a standout. He didn't start out of somebody who was, as my dad was talking about just a moment ago, uh, whose life was distinct, who, who it seemed like God was in the middle of everything that he was doing. In fact, in, in this passage of scripture, we're going to kind of look this morning, uh, the Pharaoh of Egypt, the person who kind of ruled the land of Egypt, 
uh, he, he kind of gets a little bit insecure because the Israelites, the, the Hebrews, they're, they're reproducing at an alarming rate. And he's worried that they're going to take over because there's so many of them. So, so he tries to find a way in his leadership that he's going to limit the population of the Israelites. And so he makes all of these rules that don't kind of seem to work at first. And finally, he comes up with the standard that what's going to happen is for every Israelite boy that is born, what has to happen is they have to be thrown into the river and killed. So this is where we kind of pick up the story. It's kind of a little bit of the context. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. Just kind of track with me. I want you to hear, hear this this morning. Even for those of you uh, that may be familiar with the text, the story of, of Moses, uh, approach it with maybe just, just a, a, a fresh sense of, uh, of hearing today. It says this. A man from the family of Levi married a Levite woman, and the woman became pregnant, and she has a son. She saw there was something special about him and hid him. She hid him for three months. The Bible says when she couldn't hide him any longer, she got a basket. Uh, one translation says a container made of papyrus. She waterproofed it with tar and pitch and placed the child inside of it. The Bible says then she set it afloat in the reeds at the edge of the Nile. Verse 4. The baby's older sister found herself a vantage point a little way off and watched to see what would happen to him. Pharaoh's daughter came back down to the Nile to bathe. Her maiden strolled on the bank, and she saw the basket boat floating in the reeds and sent her maid to get it. She opened it, and when she opens it, the Bible says she sees the child, a baby, crying, and her heart goes out to him. She says, this must be one of the Hebrew babies. Then his sister was before her, Moses' sister. Do you want me to go and get a nursing mother from the Hebrews so that she can nurse the baby for you? So Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, Go. The girl went and called the child's mother, which is actually Moses' biological mother. Pharaoh's daughter told her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. The woman took the child and nursed him, and after the child was weaned, she presented him to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her son. She named him Moses, meaning pulled out, saying, I pulled him out of the water. Uh, just a few months ago, my wife and I were, uh, were traveling. We were out in Texas for something that uh, we, had, we had to go out for a meeting there. And so my wife, uh, she's a major fan of this show called Fixer. I think it's called Fixer Upper and uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines. They have, you know, the Magnolia Corporation. And uh, it's kind of like a home renovation thing. And so they have this, uh, this really cool place in, in Waco, Texas, where you can go and kind of see all the different things that they do. And so she had decided that since we were going to go out to Texas, she kind of worked it to where we could go a little bit early and get to go, go to Waco, Texas and see the whole thing. So we go and we, we tour these buildings, the silos, as they call them, and saw a lot of cool stuff, took pictures there and, and kind of things like that. And so after we're done, we, uh, she's like, you know what would be really cool is to go see some of the houses that they have flipped, like on the Fixer Upper show. They take these dumps, that, uh, these, these houses that need a whole lot of TLC, a whole lot of work, and they, they renovate them. And, and when, when you see the great reveal on the TV show... Uh, it's always a bit breathtaking. You're like, oh my gosh, like, look what they did. I wish that I could do that uh, to my house or to my space. And, and so we thought, let's go see some of the houses. So we start looking up and you have to like really start investigating. So we went into Google and we're like trying to find some of these homes and we find one and we get an address and we drive around and, and we're trying to find where this house is at. And, and the address is right. I mean, as far as we can tell. And so we get confused because the, the more we try to find this place, it feels like we're kind of just going in circles and we're looking at these houses. We're like, this certainly can't, can't, can't be it. And, and we're kind of confused. And, and eventually we come back around to the same spot yet once again. And I, we start looking and we're looking at the picture and we're looking at the house and we're looking at the picture and we're looking at the house. And I, I said, wait a second, is, is, this, is, this, is this the house that, 
that is from the fixer upper stone, we start looking, we're like, oh my gosh, it has, it has the same porch, it has the same, same roofing. But what was crazy is it didn't look like the same house because there was so much that had grown up around it. The, the, the landscaping was kind of out of control. You can tell that a family had been living, living in it and the paint was all messed up. It was nothing like, like, uh, like, like it showed on the TV show. And we kind of came to this, this realization that, that the thing that we were out looking for didn't look like the thing that we thought we were looking for. It was very challenging because here we are going in circles because I know what this is supposed to look like, yet when it's standing right in front of me, it doesn't look like I think it's supposed to look like. This is sometimes one of the greatest challenges in life. And, you know, my dad talks about distinction, talking about God wanting to do special treatment for you in your life. And we set out on this journey. And if you're not careful, you get to a place where, where you start to think, well, maybe God doesn't. And it's not that God doesn't. It's just that the way that God is doing it isn't the way that I think that he should do it. It doesn't look like the thing that I think that I'm looking for. Can anybody track with me this morning? I remember talking to a friend, uh, it was probably a couple years ago, and they were, they were, they were telling me how, how this mentor in their life had, had kind of been working with them and give them, giving them these things as kind of guidelines of scripture, things like trusting God with your money and, and being involved in the church. And they were coaching them through this process and, and, and they were just like in tears, emotional. And they're like, Nick, I just don't know if I could do this anymore. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And they're just talking about this mentor, about how they had asked them and kind of get, got them to commit to these things. And this was the promise. This was the catch. If I would commit to these things, then God would bring blessings into my life. And they said, I'm just really, really frustrated because I've been doing these things for two years now. And yet when I look at my life, my, I, I still don't have a good car. My, I still don't own a home. I'm not able to put, pay off all of my, my, my student loans. I, I'm, I'm single and I really want to be married. It doesn't seem like God is blessing me, yet I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. How come God's not meeting me in the middle? I remember stopping and looking at this person. I said, hey, have you, do you remember the person that you were before you did these things? Do you remember the anxiety that you were plagued with? Do you remember how confused you were about faith and God and you don't know if you wanted anything to do with this church stuff? You may not have the car you want and you may not have the house you want and you may not have the job you want and you may not want to be, you may not be married like you want to be married, but God has blessed you. Look at your life. Look at your family. Look at your mentality. Look at the turnarounds that have happened in spaces that you never could have dreamed way back when, in my own journey. This has been one of the greatest frustrations in my life. You have to remember, I've grown up in church. So, so I, I've heard all of these things, like God's going to turn it around this week, and God's going to bless you this week, and, and God wants to do something awesome in your life. And if I'm honest, this has been one of my great frustrations. Because so much of the time, I, I, I look at my life and I'm like, God, I wanted you to do this, but you didn't do this. So is, is, is there something wrong with me? Have you ever been in that position? Maybe I'm not believing enough. Maybe I don't have enough faith. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not holy enough or righteous enough or good enough. If God's not doing what I want him to do, and if his miracles are not manifesting the way that I want him want them to manifest, maybe the problem was with me. The thing that I've learned in hindsight as I've kind of walked this journey with God is a lot of the times it's not that God didn't do it. It's that I didn't know what I was looking for. God says things like this in the Bible. I have placed you as a city on a hill. He says things like, I have made you the light of the world. He'll say that you are, you are the salt of, of, of the earth. You know what all those things represent? Distinction. 
All of those things are not easily hidden. A, a city on a hill stand out, right? I've made you the, the, the salt of the earth. There's one flavor that you cannot hide very well. And it's salt. I, I, I have, I have, you, I have made you light. Therefore, shine. You, you, you can't hide light. Yet, if we look at our lives, I know a lot of the frustration of mine uh, is, is that my life doesn't always feel like I'm a city on a hill. My life doesn't always feel like I'm so distinct. My life doesn't always feel like I'm the salt of the earth that you cannot hide. And so a lot of times in life, when we don't see the things that we thought that we would see, here's the danger is we, 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 we start becoming, and I can say this because I've done it. You start becoming cynical and critical of the supernatural. What am I talking about? You, you sit in church and you hear your pastor say things that, that God, God wants to do special favors for you. And you think, yeah, I've heard that one before. I guess, I guess we'll see if it works this time. The challenge is the faith that we have subscribed to is a faith that requires the supernatural. When you read the Bible, you, you hear about Jonah and the well. I mean, think about Moses splitting the Red Sea, Jesus feeding. These are all things that are marked by the supernatural. I think sometimes in life, it's not that God isn't working, but I think we settle for a life of comfort. We settle for a life that is less than what God wants to do because we become cynical of things that God wants for us because they don't look like we think the thing that we're looking for should look. This morning, I want to talk to you about the disguise of distinction. The the disguise of distinction, meaning if you don't know what you're looking for, you might miss it. The disguise of distinction. If you don't know what you're looking for, you might miss it. It's funny, you you hear this story of Moses, and Moses' life ends in distinction. Moses' life ends as a standout. And all of us at some point in our our lives, we we have desired to be a standout. I'm not talking about fame or popularity, but but at the top of your game in whatever you do. Meaning, I want to be the best husband that I can be. I want to be the best wife that I can be. I want to be the best parent that I can be. I want to be the best worker that I can be. I I, I want to be a standout. But here's the thing about a standout. A standout never starts out as a standout. Think think about this this morning. A, A standout never starts out as a standout. There's a road that has to be walked. There's a process that has to be journeying through. If, if you want distinction operating in your life, if you want the favor of God, if you want the advantage, there is a process that if you don't know it and can't identify it and can't see it, you might miss it. And my greatest fear for us as a church is that we would go through this season and we would think, well, what was up with that? I thought God said he was going to make us distinct. Standout never starts out as a standout. You think about Moses' story. Moses didn't start out as, as, a, <laughs> as a standout. Started out as a little baby boy in a society that wanted to kill him. See, the journey doesn't start with position, although God and God, God, God really cares about your position in life. We talk about how, how life's not a destination, and, and it's not. It's a journey. But God cares about your position in the midst of that journey. Why? Because God is all about... You letting your light shine so that people can see how good he is. I say this all the time. You are the salt and life, light of the earth, meaning the way that people taste and see that God is good is through you, the salt and light of the earth. Your position needs to be distinct. But position doesn't start with position. Distinction doesn't start with distinction. It starts in the same place it started with the life of Moses. 
Here's where it starts. It starts with pressure. And immediately when I say that, we're like, no, right? (laughs) No, like that's the last thing that I want to hear. That this road to distinction is most likely, according to scripture, according to everything that we know about the way God works, it's probably going to start with pressure. Now, I'm not talking, I'm not talking just about pain because pain is, is a matter of your perception, right? Like how we view something that is painful to you in your life and that you experience may not be painful to me. I'm not, you can medicate pain. You can't medicate pressure. This is why when you go to the dentist, they can give you a shot and say, okay, the pain's going to be gone, but what, you, what are you going to feel? You're going to feel a little bit of, you're going you're to feel pressure because pressure is, is, is a, a part of life. And the reason that we a lot of times miss what God is wanting to do in our life is because we don't embrace the fact that, okay, in my journey, I'm going to experience pressure. And the reason that we don't like to embrace this idea or concept is because, and here's where I, I'm going to get heavy on this and we're going to move on, but it's because most of us in this space, most Christians, most Americans, it transcends religion, we are addicts. And here's our addiction of choice, comfort. We are addicted to comfort. We want it so bad. You think, no, I'm not. Let me take away your car. Let me put you in a 100-square-foot house instead of a 2,000-square-foot house. Right? Let, let me put you on food that will, it will, it will give you a great diet, but you're not going to eat. And, and watch how your body responds. Watch how, you're, watch how you start treating people. Why? Why? Because we, we, are, we are, by nature as Americans, the entitlement has caused us to be addicts. Addicts to, to, to comfort. This is why when I say, hey, your road to distinction, it's probably going to start with pressure. You think, ah, no, please no. Right? Could you imagine what it would have been like to, to be the mother of Moses at a time where you knew, hey, the Pharaoh was killing all of the baby boys and you just found out that you were pregnant? Could you imagine as she's sitting there thinking, why now? Thinking to herself, please don't be a boy. Please don't be a boy. Please don't be a boy because this is the nature of pressure. Pressure will cause you, if you don't know how to deal with it right, it will cause you to wish away things that you normally would desire and pray for and believe for and ask God for and go after. Pressure, and this is the thing about pressure, if you don't know how to deal with it, if you don't know how to embrace it, it will actually cause you to wish away things that God has called you to. Could you imagine what it would be like when, when, when he or she has this baby and it's, 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 it's a boy. Could you imagine, could you imagine the pressure? What, what does pressure look like in our day-to-day life? Pressure is this moment where you think to yourself, I don't know if I can go on from here. I don't know if I'll ever recover from this. Pressure looks like this might be the thing that actually does me in. But pressure is important on your road to position. Because here, here we go. Because pressure is the thing that identifies number two, which is potential. Sometimes you don't know what you have until life gets hard. Sometimes you don't know what you're capable of. Sometimes you don't know what God has put on the inside of you until you come up against a wall that I don't know how I'm going to climb this one. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this pit. I don't know how I'm going to move forward from this relational trauma. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do it. If you don't have pressure, you can't see your potential. The Bible says Moses' mom, in the midst of this pressure, she takes, takes her baby, and because of the pressure, she looks at him with different eyes. She says, there's something special 
about him. The nature of pressure is that it reveals potential. You see things that you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. This is why someone can take a piece of carbon and actually apply pressure and turn it into a diamond. Is anybody hearing me this morning? You don't know your potential. You don't know what you're capable of until you go through seasons of your life. I'm not talking about pain. I'm not talking. I'm talking about the pressure. The, pre- the pressure is always revealing potential. What am I saying? And this is a spiritual principle. When you experience great pressure, and I'm not talking about pain, abuse, physical. If you're being abused in a relationship, get out. Free yourself from that. Okay? But, but when you're experiencing relational trauma, it is always an indicator that God is wanting to do something great in the midst of that relationship. When you're, when you're, ha- when you're experiencing pressure in your marriage, we, we're, we're, we live in such, again, addicts to comfort. Well, I'll just get me a new one. I'll just find me a new lover. There's plenty of fish in the sea, right? And what we miss out, we will never live distinct lives if we always keep pressure at arm's length. Pressure is indicating to you that there is potential, meaning there's something that God wants to do in your marriage that will keep you from being a statistic. There's something that he wants to do within the context of your relationships that he can put you on a light, on a lampstand, and let you shine to help other people in this world that don't know which way is up and don't know which way is down. What am I talking about? When you're going through, when you're experiencing pressure financially... And, and, and because of our addiction, we're almost desensitized to this language. And we think, ah, I don't know about that. I'm telling you, pressure is always an indicator of your potential. And if you'll see it right, you'll see that God's tra- in, in the midst of financial pressure. It's always an indicator. That's probably the area that God wants to use in your life. Turn it around, put you on a light, light stand and let you shine so that you can shine for him and turn the lives around, not just of yourself, but people in your community, in the church and people around the world around you. Pressure is always an indicator of potential. Right? You, you don't know what you're good at till you get out, you, you get on the field in the middle of the game and the pressure's on. <laughs> pressure shows what you're made of. So, 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 so pressure is a part of the process. Pressure reveals my potential. And here's where most of us go wrong. When I see that I have potential, immediately what I want to do is strive for position. So when I see, when I'm experiencing pressure in my marriage, and I see that, okay, this is revealing that there's potential. Oh, the, the man that, that he could be one day, the woman that he could be one day. Now what I want is I want my situation to move from where it's at to where it could be. And the challenge with this is, is you can never, you can never on your own move where you're at to where you can't, where, where you could be in your own strength. So you telling your spouse or your friends or your neighbor or your boss because you see potential in them. Hey, you need to change. You need to be better. You need to make better decisions. You need to stop treating me like this. You need to stop speaking. It's, it's never going to work that way. And this is where most of us destroy and, and limit ourselves from becoming everything that God has called us to be because we don't know what to do with our potential. Pressure reveals pretend, potential. And when you see your potential, don't pursue, don't pursue position. Here's what you got to do. You got to protect it. When you identify that something has potential, you got to protect it. Moses' mom looks at the baby and says, oh, there's something special about him. And then what does she do? She does not take him to Pharaoh's house. She does not take him to Pharaoh's daughter and say, hey, I think there's something special about my baby. And I think he's supposed to be the prince of Egypt. And one day God's going to use him to deliver our people. Can he live with you? When she identifies potential, what does the text say that she does? She hides him. When she sees that there is something that, what am I talking about protect? I'm talking value. I'm talking honor. 
I'm talking focus on, I'm talking esteem, I'm talking treasure. What am I talking about? When you're going, when you're going through relational stuff, when you're going through financial stuff, when you're going through things, when you're going through mental stuff, it's always an indicator of what the potential. And when I see the potential, I I need to protect. I need to value. I need to honor. I need to treasure. So when I'm here's some examples, when I'm going through things relationally, it's an indicator, right? So what do I need to do? I need to treat my spouse, the person I'm in a relationship with, not as they are, but as the potential that I see in them. So, so I, I value them not for the behaviors that they currently have, but I value them based upon what God is revealing is an area that he wants to use to put on a pedestal to distinguish me, to distinguish my family. What, what am I saying? If you, if you struggle, if you're ex- experiencing anxiety and pressure in your mind all the time, what, what am I saying you need to do? You need to realize that that is the area that there is a lot of potential if you could ever get your head straight. So what am I going to do? I'm, I'm going to protect. I'm going to protect my mind. I'm going to protect my thoughts. I'm going to protect the things that are coming into my ears, not as a religious practice, but because I'm protecting the thing that has been revealed in my life that has the most potential. So, so, so the area, what is, what is your area of, of, of pressure today? What is the area that, that, that is the revealer of, of, of potential in your life today? How do I, how do I continue down the road to place a position or being distinguished? I have to determine that the place, the thing, the thing that, that carries the most pressure is the thing that I have to protect, honor, value, esteem the most. She hides him. This is the most difficult part, I think, of the journey. How do I treat people right when they're treating me wrong? How do I value my money when, it, when all I can think about is the money that I don't have? And my whole point is you need to focus on what you do have. And if you take care of what you do have, if you be, if you be, it's practical stuff. If I pay more attention to how I'm spending and where I'm investing and where I'm at, the valuing of what I do have leads me down, down, down the road. But the challenge is, is how do I keep honoring and valuing and esteeming when it doesn't seem like it's working? Because I can do it for a couple of weeks with the best of you after the preacher gets up and inspires me really good. And then I go home and I treat my spouse good for about two minutes. And then reality is saying, working, forget this. Let's go back to just you and me, right? Like, Doing things old school, the way that we always done it. What, what, what do I do when I, it's, Nick, I tried the protect thing, I tried the value thing, and it doesn't seem to be working. The text says that when she could hide him no longer, when she could hide him no longer, when she could value him no longer, protect him no longer, when she could treasure him no longer, the text says that she got a basket. She, she got, she, she, the one text says, uh, she, she made, she made a container and then put the baby in it. What, 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 what was it? What does that say? When she could protect him no longer, what did she do? She protected him some more. She kept doing what she was doing. She wasn't going to allow a timeline to keep her from her baby walking into his ultimate purpose. And this is the way that it works in your life. What am I saying? If you don't know what you're looking for, you might miss it. I don't want you to go through the summer and think, well, my life doesn't look distinguished. I don't look distinct. God hasn't done any. What, what, how are you handling the pressure? How, how are you handling the pressure point? She puts him, into, uh, uh, puts him into a container. I think a container is fascinating because it's this picture. What a container does is it takes things that had potential and it gives them purpose. For example, I could stand in front of my faucet and I could turn on my faucet and my faucet could start running. Well, that water that's coming out of my faucet has a lot of potential. 
That, that, that water could do a whole lot of things. It could give me a drink of water. It could water my dog. I could bottle that up and I could send it to a third world country where people are, don't have water and they're dying because they don't have clean, clean. But that water only has potential until it's put into, put into a, a, a container. Until it's, it's, it's protected, until it's, 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 it's valued. I think it's no coincidence that she puts the baby into a container. This is what this process feels like. And a lot of times we hate being in the container because being in the container a lot of times feels like containment. I don't like this season because it is uncomfortable. I don't like this season because I feel like my world is caving in. I don't like this season because I feel like I'm constrained. I don't like this season because I don't have everything that I want. And I don't know all the people that I need to know. And nobody's valuing me and treasuring me like they should be valued. What am I talking about? Container. But the container is what takes things that have potential and actually gives them purpose. This is where the Bible says things like, he is the vine and we are the branches. It says in another passage of scripture, don't put old wine into, or don't put new wine into old wineskins. It's, if you kind of look at this picture, it's like God is, is, is the vine, we are the branches. In other words, the grapes don't grow off the vine, they grow off the branches. So what God does, the wine has to come through us. The, the things that God wants to do has to come through us, but it only becomes useful when it is contained. Is anybody tracking with me this morning? It has to be put into to a wineskin. What am I talking about? There has to be seasons when you identify potential, and once you identify the potential, you protect the place of pressure. Why? Because I'm ultimately walking out God's path to distinction. I'm ultimately walking out God's path to the place of position, which is the place that he needs me to be. When I stick with it in the midst of things that I don't understand, when I stick with it in the midst of, when I keep honoring my spouse, when I keep honoring and valuing my church, when I honor my boss, when I take care of my money and I steward it, even though it seems like it's not increasing, it seems like it's not working because here's what happens. Pressure identifies potential. Potential will always uh, cause you and should push you to protect the place of pressure because whatever you protect will ultimately start to produce. Whatever you, whatever you value, whatever you honor, whatever you, you esteem, whatever you treasure, whatever you treasure will ultimately begin to produce. What does mama do with baby Moses? She takes him and she hides him. And when she can hide him no more, she hides him some more. She values him some more. She puts him in the river and she sends her little, his little sister. Would you keep an eye? Let's treasure. We don't, we, we, we're trying, we're just trying to, just to stay, stay, stay un, un, under the radar. And all of a the sudden their place of protection leads them to a place where God begins to cause things to produce. And what happens? Pharaoh's daughter finds the baby. And when she finds the baby, she opens the thing and says, oh my gosh, she's moved with compassion. And here's what, here's what, here's what crazy happens. Here's what's, what happens. It's so crazy. Baby sister says, do you want me to go find you somebody who can breastfeed the baby? She, go, she goes and finds the baby's mama. What am I talking about? The one who was experiencing the pressure. Who thought that she was going to have to sacrifice. What is it? Your marriage, your job, your mindset is never going to get better. The thing that she protected ultimately started to produce. Now not only does she get to raise her baby, she gets paid for it. She, what she protected started to produce. And it didn't just produce in the life of Moses. Now Moses gets to live. <laughs> but it started to produce for the family. What am I talking about? When you, what is the place of pressure for you today? 
Identify that place of pressure. Don't play the devil's game. Don't be medicated by our culture and think, oh my God, it's pressure. Yeah, it's pressure. Square your shoulders and, I, and realize that the pressure is identifying for you your greatest place of potential. Your greatest place of potential is the place that you experience the most pressure. What is your bad habit that you can't kick? Pay attention to it. God's going to use that to turn it around to help somebody. Man, that's what I'm talking about. If it's in your mind, protect your mind. If it's in your money, protect your money. If it's in your relationships, protect your relationships. If it's in your physical body, you're always attacking your physical, protect you, protect your physical body. We all have different pressure points. But when I protect the place, I honor, I value, I esteem, I hold close the place that is pressure, even when it's uncomfortable, even when I don't want to do, I can't hide it no more. And I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep valuing it even some more. What happens? Whatever you protect ultimately starts, starts to produce. A seed cannot produce in the ground until it's been protected by the soil that surrounds it. Do, do, do you hear me? A seed cannot produce until it's been protected by the soil that surrounds it. This is the story of your life. It starts to produce. And you know what's crazy? Is that we can almost wrap up the story there. It worked! Right? It worked! Ha! Huh. Got my bills paid. My baby's alive. Look what the Lord has done. But God doesn't just want to move you from a place of pressure to the place of production. His desire is that you move from pressure to the place of position. Remember, I have set you as a city on a hill. Shine. You are the salt and light of the earth. In other words, at some point, could you imagine what this would have been like? Moses' mama. So she gets to take him home. She gets to raise him. She gets to, ra she gets to raise her own baby and get paid for it. The Bible says she raised him to a point where he's raised now. <laughs> and she has to take the thing that she has valued the most to the people who in the beginning valued it the least. Because she had the courage to believe that the thing that God did in her life he could do in the life of somebody else. What am I talking about? God wants to bring distinction to your life. He wants things to start working. He wants things to start producing. He wants things to change. He don't want you to be bound forever. He don't want you to be struggling with finances forever. He doesn't want your business to be up and down forever. He doesn't want your marriage just to be average forever. No, he wants, he wants production. He wants that seed to pierce through the soil and begin to flourish. But don't you forget, when things start to produce, that it's not just about the production, it's about the position. And the thing that God has done in your life, some of you, you, got, you, God has done amazing things in your family and you have walked this journey. You know what it's like to face pressure and identify potential and protect it in the midst of kids acting crazy. I'm going to keep loving them. I'm going to keep fighting for them. I'm going to keep praying for them. And I'm not going to judge them. I'm going to accept them and I'm going to do what I know to do and I'm going to keep valuing back. And then it started to produce and it started to work. And some of you in this place, we get to this place where they look what the Lord has done. That's not all the Lord wants to do. Christianity is not a spectator sport. At some point, you better get off the sidelines and get in the game. If Moses' mama could take the thing that she valued the most, treasured the most, what do you treasure the most? What is working for you today? And she can march it back to the Pharaoh's daughter. 
The thing that I value the most, I'm giving to the person that in the beginning valued it the least in hopes that God would do what he's done in my life and their life. What am I talking about? If you have a killer family, if, you, if, you're, if you're good at parenting, if God is showing you how to, how to make money and do things financially, if you battled anxiety and depression and suicide, don't you dare stay silent. Don't you dare stay in the corner. Don't you dare just keep showing up to church on Sunday morning at 9 and 11 saying, thank you, God, look what the Lord has done. No, get in the game. God has a desire to make you distinguished so that you can be a city on a hill. Little old me, yes, you. I'm talking to the people that don't feel qualified, that don't feel worth it, that don't feel enough. I could never stand on a platform and hold a microphone. I could never lead a congregation in a worship song. You don't have to. What has been your area of pressure? Pay attention to it because it's revealing your potential. When you identify that there is potential, protect it, value it, esteem it, even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's hard, even when your back is up against the wall, make the decision that I'm going to make a container because being in a container is not containment. It's taking things that have potential and actually making them produce or be productive. I'm going to keep doing it until it produces and starts to work so that God can ultimately take me from the place of just production to establish me in a position. To establish me in a position. How crazy is this? How crazy is it that the Pharaoh wants all of the baby boys, he could have killed them a million different ways. He wants them drowned in a river. And the place that Pharaoh's daughter finds Moses is where? Floating down the river. What am I saying? What if the thing that was supposed to kill you is ultimately positioning you for the place that God has called you? Ha! Hear me today. What is your death sentence? What is that one thing? What is that one thing that you think to yourself? I don't know that we'll ever summit this mountain what is your death sentence what if it's not really a death sentence what if it's really the disguise of distinction what if that river that oh you're going to lose your life now you're going to lose your marriage now you, you shouldn't have made that decision you, you, you really blew it now what if that thing <laughs> that even if you're really honest you're a little bit nervous I hope this works out what if that place that looked like a death sentence isn't a death sentence at all? What if it's really the disguise of distinction? Don't miss it because you don't know what you're looking for. You hear me this morning? Don't you miss it because you don't know what you're looking for. I'm here to tell somebody today that's going through it. You're going through it. Pay attention to it. Don't escape it. Realize that it is trying to point out to you your greatest place of potential. This always happens to me. Pay attention to it. Pay it. Instead of being victimized in a world that makes victimization extremely popular and trendy, there's victims and we need to take care of them. But I'm, don't, don't you fall into the trap that a victim mentality is a place of superiority. That's, that's not the distinction that God, God wants to take victims and make them victors. That's how the distinction thing works. Take you from the place of pressure so that you can identify your potential. When you identify the place of pressure, it's showing you your greatest potential. So what? Here, don't miss this. Protect, value, honor, even when it doesn't make sense. Because whatever you protect will ultimately start to produce. And whatever produces, what happens? What's going on over there? People start turning their head. What's, what's going on with that church? 
That doesn't make sense. Why, why are they flourishing? Huh? Why is God, didn't, didn't they, didn't they bring all their campuses together for the summer? Huh? What, what, what's going on over that God takes things that when you protect them, value them, hold them close, they start to produce. And you don't have to go chasing fame. You don't have to go chasing notoriety. You don't have to say, look at me and look how good I am and look what I can do. No. He establishes you. Where? City on a hill. Now that I put you on a, on a lampstand, shine! <laughs> shine. Don't settle. Don't settle for a life that's absent of the supernatural just because you had too many experiences that didn't turn out the way that you wanted them to turn out. I, I believe for people to be healed of diseases and they died. And you know what? I'm not going to allow that to sway my belief in the supernatural. I'm just going to come to terms that I don't know everything and God does and, and that's all that I need to know. And I'm going to keep believing. God, if, you're gonna, if you did it then, you can do it now. You can heal people. You can he save people. You can, you can restore merit. You can take the darkest of situations and shine some light on it. Okay? So, so, Barry, just in this moment, I want you to hear me today. I want you to take a second, and we're going to, uh, maybe, Tavi, you can sing through something. But I, I'll just do like we have time for this. So just take a quick evaluation. What is your greatest place of pressure? Realize it's your greatest place of potential. Be thinking in your mind, what can I do to steward that so that it can start to produce? God can ultimately get me to the place where... Distinguished, distinct. Right? Hear me one more time. What is your death sentence? What if it's not really your death sentence? What if it's just the disguise of distinction? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? God, in this place, would you seal something deep within our hearts this morning? That we would be equipped as soldiers in an army. That we would be equipped as soldiers in God's army. To leave this place standing a little bit taller than we stood before. God, where we had allow ourselves to be beat up by the pressure and the expectations of other people. And we've had to strive because if I don't get it, if I don't ride this wave, it may never come back around again. God, we refuse to put our confidence and our own strength and ability. Hear me, somebody needs to hear that this morning. You've thought to, your, you thought to yourself, if I don't ride this wave, it may not ever come back around again. I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your job. You're thinking to yourself, I got to milk this cow for all that it's worth because if I don't, I may not ever get a chance again. And I'm here, to t I'm here to tell you, it is not by might nor by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. What He has called you to, He will keep you. The place that He has called you to, He, he will keep you. Here, he, he is a shepherd. The Bible calls Him a shepherd, meaning the shepherd is always watching out for the sheep. Did you know how, how dumb and silly the sheep are? They just start eating and they'll get, get off course. What am I, they, they start, because they need to feed themselves, they start chasing food that really wasn't designed for, you know what the shepherd will, he'll just come bring them, bring them back in. I just declare over you, some of your life, the shepherd is bringing you back in. The shepherd's just bringing you back in. The good, it's, it, it, this whole thing, think about it. You didn't choose to actually end up on this earth. So what makes you think that you're in control of the ship of your life as it pertains to while you're here? He, there's a shepherd that's watching out for you. 
He had a reason in you being here and he's guiding, he's guiding, he's guiding, he's guiding. And even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, fear no evil. His rod and his staff, it'll, it'll, it'll keep you where you need to be. It'll keep when you, when you go through the seasons of pressure, the shadow, the shadow, it's just the shadow. It's just, the, it's not your death sentence. It's the disguise of distinction. It's just the shadow. And it wants to terrify you because you're addicted to comfort, to retreat, to retreat, to retreat. I'm scared. No, don't be scared. Trust the, the staff of the shepherd to guide. Trust the good shepherd to God. Trust the good shepherd to God. Trust the good shepherd to God. The person that's just plagued with anxiety about your future. Trust the good shepherd to God. Trust the good shepherd to God. Trust that he restores your soul. Who is the person that is anxious and overwhelmed because you feel like the weight of this, this season is on your shoulders. I'm here to tell you, I speak by the spirit of God and I say, trust the good shepherd to God. Trust the good shepherd to God. You are the sheep. You are not the shepherd. You are the sheep. You are not the shepherd. So quit carrying the pressure of the shepherd. The good shepherd will guide. 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 Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. me. And I trust you. If you give me life. Just 30 more seconds. Just open your heart up to God. Internally let go. Yes, God. Stand to your feet all across this room. Would you do that? Would you open your heart up to God? Come on, internally let go just for another 30 seconds. Some of you, you've just been carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders. You thought it's over. Can you just out under, under your breath even? God, I trust you again. I trust you again. You are the shepherd. God, we trust you today. Oh, we trust you, God. Yes, we trust you, God. practical don't miss the practicality of it just because of the preaching what you got to leave and you got to get it so i'm here's here's the thing if the pressure is in your mind it, it's it's a revealer that if you could ever get your head straight everything else in your life would change that's where the potential is at so what am i going to do some of you, you got to some of you it's, it's no longer about is it sin is it not sin it's about this is where the pressure is at so i need to protect i need to protect the things that are going into my ears so if I'm filling myself with negative news all the time, it's going to destroy my faith. It's going to actually fuel the anxiety and the depression that I'm experiencing. This is the, this is the practicality of protect, value, honor, honor your ears, honor, honor your eyes. Why? Because God won't love me if I don't know. Because you'll never be distinct if you don't. You'll never have the life that you really want if you, if you don't. You won't move past the place that you are if you don't. So I got to I have to honor I have to honor what goes in my eyes and honor what goes in my ears if that's the place where there's always pressure. What and I got to keep doing it. The longer that I protect it, the more it will start to produce, okay? So take whatever area of your life at, at your job. Got pressure at my job. 
Okay, well, it's showing you something. There's potential in your ability to work and what you're doing. God's going to use the work of your hand and he wants to prosper it. So if that's where the pressure's at, then I'm going to focus. I'm going to value the job that I have rather than complaining about the job that I have. I'm going to honor it. I'm going to esteem it. I'm going to treat the boss good that treats me bad. I'm not just going to run. I'm just going to get me a new one. No, I'm going to trust that God, God, unless you speak clear as day to me to go get another job, I'm going to stay where it is that that I'm at and I'm going to protect it. Because hear me, whatever I protect will ultimately start to produce. God is here. God is not limited by the, the people around you's destructive behaviors. God is not limited by the people around you's destructive behaviors. And a lot of times he'll use the pressure to make something out of you that you didn't even know was there. Think about, think, I mean, this is so silly. Imagine you being a piece of coal, carbon, didn't knowing that you had a diamond inside of you. And you never would have known until the pressure got turned on. How much of the time, rather than protect the place of pressure, we run from it and miss out on our full, our full potential. We become cynical of the supernatural and say, yeah, pastor, I've heard that one before. Don't miss out on it because you don't know what you're looking for. God, in this place today, would you help us to see, help us to hear, help us to understand, help us to know who you are and get what you're trying to do even better, that we would cling higher than our intellectual understanding and we would trust you. We would trust you in Jesus. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to salvationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 